like we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. We don't got time for that Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Lane Gillespie. I am Derek Johnson here on KLWN. This is my final show for the week. It's my final show for the month, actually. Uh, I'm going to be taking off tomorrow, quite literally, on a plane to uh, go to Germany, going overseas. How long is your flight, man? Oh, gosh. Um, So it's like two and a half, three hours to Washington, D.C. Okay. And then we have a layover. And then um, I think it's like eight hours from there to Germany. That's not fun. I don't envy you. No, no. The plane part is is not fun at all. And, And because of the time change... We're going to be getting in to Germany at like 8 in the morning, even though it's going to be like 1 a.m. here. So we're going to be like getting Gross. ready to go to sleep, and it's like bright and early. Everybody's waking up. Um, but we're looking forward to it. Me and my wife are going, and it should be a good time. Um, we're going to check out a lot of the, the history, the castles, uh, places you can hike. Obviously, you can get some good beer and, and food, the Spaza Castle, or, or I don't Spaza Castle. I don't know. Whatever. Um all sorts of good stuff that, that we're looking to see. And uh, I will not be here the next couple of weeks. Lane is going to have you covered. I, I have left a, a wealth of, of some audio that he can kind of hit in the bank, some stuff that you've never heard before that will be heard over the next couple of weeks. We were talking before the show, though. Our program director, Joel, was in here, too. And uh, we were saying, like, what would be the funniest stories? or, <laughs> or the, Not funny in the story itself. Funny that just I wouldn't be here to have it happen um, that stories that I could miss that would would happen, would break, whatever verb you want to use, whatever word you want to use, um, while I was gone. The first one that came to mind for me was that the whole NCAA case with KU would right. happen when I'm gone. And honestly, like, I actually wouldn't mind if any of that stuff happens because... You know, I do feel bad. You've only been on the job here for a couple weeks, and it's like all of a yeah. sudden, okay, you get thrown in the fire. Like, good luck. Have fun hosting the show, Lane. Um, well, gee, thanks. Well, no, I'm saying, like, I, I kind of hope no, something know. happens for that reason because then it'll give you something else to talk about exactly. when I'm gone. Because right now, it's not just that I'm leaving you for two weeks. Like, if I left you for two weeks in the fall, you have KU football and KU basketball. I'm leaving you for two weeks in the middle of the summer when there's nothing going on. Right. So I, I feel bad. I mean, we do have the NBA draft next week. Yes, you do. That'll be something great you can talk about. Um, we should be able to hear from the players around then as well. So, yeah, there, there's always stuff going on. But, um, yeah, that that would be funny. Uh, I'm trying to think, like, what else would be crazy stories that um, could miss. Like, anything else would just be too imaginative. Like, this KU softball player murdered someone or something. Like, that would be pretty wild. Although, yeah. I don't know how much we would even talk about that on the show to begin with because that would just be very cryptic. Um, NBA game six of the finals was last night. And the Golden State Warriors are your new NBA champions. Steph Curry. Define new. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, not new in terms of, I, I guess, it, yeah, it's just your, your definition of it. It's funny. If I, if I were to define my car, not my car, but like a car, if I bought a car two years ago, I would not consider that new, right? 
Right. The Warriors Fair, haven't yeah. won a title in what four years, so I guess technically new. But yeah, to your point, no, they are not a new champion. This is the fourth um, finals win for for Steph Curry and that group of the Warriors, but it's the first Finals MVP for Steph Curry. And anywhere you look in terms of a a national, we're not going to do this today. Don't worry. Uh, perspective. The talk is today, is Steph Curry now a top 10 all-time player? Is Steph Curry on the Mount Rushmore basketball player? Is he a top five player of all time? He might be. I don't know. In my opinion, top 10, without a doubt. I mean, without a doubt, probably the best shooter in NBA. Oh, yeah, for sure. Without a shadow of a doubt. But um, I wouldn't wouldn't say top five quite yet, just given he's still got a decent amount of his career left no i'd say he's probably anywhere comfortably in that like i don't know maybe like eight to 15 range i haven't like sat down and, and done it in depth but that that's what you're going to hear most of the places but once again andrew wiggins huge contributions last night i think he became the first play they, they, these always crack me up but it's still cool nonetheless even though it's always funny right. to me it's like the first player ever to score 34 points on exactly 19 shots no more no less he had to tie his shoe one time in the game, and he got called for one technical. He's the first player in the NBA to do that. Like Sometimes when that stuff happens, it cracks me up. But the specific stat line he had, it was like 18 points, handful of rebounds, handful of assists, blocks, steals, everything. He was like the first player in finals history to do that. Um, he completed just a, a really great finals for him. And I'll say this. like One thing that's, that's really cool about Andrew Wiggins is he is he's got one of those very like infectious smiles like he's a big mm. smile. When he smiles, it it makes you like kind of get your heart warmed. And as he was playing so well in the finals, and this whole stretch was coming out, you'd see old stories come about out about Andrew Wiggins, old videos. The one where he's listening to music while he's in a Timberwolves jersey when he was with Minnesota. He listens to this one like rap song. And he's like, "Yeah, good song." Like blah blah blah. And then they play like a Michael Bublé song, and he's like, <laughs> "You get." He just like it looks like he's like about to cry. He loves the song. He's like, "Oh yeah, I love that song a lot better." Like there's just like uh, a lot of cool things that came out with Andrew Wiggins. He finished off the finals game. Um, he was the second best player on the Warriors over the course of the finals. I don't know if you'd say it over the course of the regular season, uh, but you could certainly make the argument that he was the second best player on a finals team, which. I think sometimes we get caught in the narrative of if you're the number one pick in the NBA draft, like you should be the best player on a finals team. That How many guys are there in the NBA that you can actually say they can win the finals with him as the best player? And, and I'm not talking in terms of, of course, if you were to say, if you gave me the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th, 14th, 15th best players all on the team, like sure, they're winning the title. But realistically, there's probably only a handful, maybe two handfuls of guys. Like it, It's a small group of guys who can win the title as a number one on their team. So to be a number two on a title winning team, that's like a huge deal. I don't know if this impacts anything as far as jersey retirement talk with Andrew Wiggins, but it certainly doesn't hurt. I, I right. know it's technically... Are you a, talking about NBA jersey retirement no, or KU? I'm talking about KU. Okay. I know technically it's based on what he did at KU, but it's, it's hard. Once we get to the end of Andrew Wiggins' basketball career... Uh, if he continues to put up numbers like he's putting up, he's averaging 20 a game, he's been to an all-star game, now he has an NBA ring on his finger, at the end of his NBA career, he's probably going to make it into the Basketball Hall of Fame. I mean, it's it, it's quite possible. It's relatively easy compared to, I shouldn't say easy, but it's easier to get into the Basketball Hall of Fame than it is like the NFL Hall of Fame or the Baseball Hall right. of Fame. So it's definitely possible. And if he gets into the Basketball Hall of Fame, how do you say, well, no, I know he's a... a one of the greatest basketball players of all time. He's in the Basketball Hall of Fame, but he's not good enough for all our Hall of Fame. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It becomes a difficult conversation. I mean, there are three 
former KU players mm-hmm. uh, that are in the uh, Basketball Hall of Fame, and all of their jerseys are up. Clyde Lavelle, Will Chamberlain, Paul Pierce. That's a good little trivia bit. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I feel like that would be the case. Again, like we can argue the merits of should that matter. I don't know. But certainly from a recruiting standpoint, too, that might expedite it. They might just go, oh, w- this guy was good enough in college to earn being the number one pick in the draft. That should get him up there. It'll be good for recruits. I, I honestly am at a point where I think it's going to go up there. Um, again, I would more so vote if I was having to pick who goes up there. It would be based on what you did at KU. Like, that should matter. But, yeah. again, like, I get it. I don't have a qualm with it if, if that's what they want to do. Uh, but overall, last night, same story for Boston. They didn't have um, enough offensive punch because of the fact that, you know, in past games, maybe Jalen Brown was inefficient and Jason Tatum was stepping up. It was kind of inverse this game. You had Jalen Brown go for 34 points. He had some turnover issues, though. But you had Jason Tatum struggling. The Warriors' defense all series long. Like, give credit there. They were unbelievable all series long. Um, but overall, for Boston, like, this wasn't necessarily just about, like, like you didn't have a vintage Game 6 clay. Um, he was inefficient. He was, like, 5 of 20 from the field. In the end, it was just... Steph Curry going off, Andrew Wiggins playing well, and way too many Boston turnovers. They had 22 turnovers. I'll say this, tip of the cap to Al Horford. It was his first finals appearance in his long NBA career, and he was fighting tooth and nail at the end there. He was hitting big three after big three to try to keep them in it, but the turnovers, just way too much. Way too much in the end. I mean, Horford finished 19 points, 14 rebounds. Big time. Great game. Oh, yeah. Probably the best since game was it. I think one, one where he yeah. went off in the fourth quarter, yeah. right? Um, game one. By the way, uh, I made mention of this at the start of the finals. We finished up the finals. Obviously, it went six games. Warriors winning in six. Not a single one of the finals <laughs> games were decided by single digits. Not a single one. The average margin of victory for whoever won, 13.3 points. Not an ultra-memorable finals, but... It was fun, just yeah, it not was, one of yeah. those memorable ones. No, no. Um, not in the line of like, you know, when we had some of those Cavs Warriors finals. But uh Warriors once again winning a title. They're fourth with Steph Curry, one of the all time greats. He is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. Uh we're gonna have a Jalen Wilson deep dive coming up here. Also, Doug Crumpton Murray, former RCST trivia member, is gonna come on. He's got some cool history to share and, and a past story to share as well. We've got some more KU baseball audio, stock market closing bell. We've got a lie detector test. Uh plenty to come here on RCST today. But first, we're gonna scoot out of the way for one of our Westwood One US Open updates. You're listening to Rock Shock Sports Talk on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. We've got another U.S. Open update coming in a little over 20 minutes from right now. Doug Crumpton Murray is going to join us about quarter till four. We've got some KU baseball audio to get to you and plenty more on today's edition of RCST. So we are on the last player of our deep dives for KU basketball We've worked through all of them except for one, and that would be Jalen Wilson. Now, I've had plenty of conversations about Jalen between him testing the draft waters, eventually coming back to KU. This is our official deep dive. He is a 6'7", listed at 6'8", forward with good size, athleticism, and slashing ability. Averaged 11 points, 7.5 rebounds per game last year. The rebounds led the team. He also averaged nearly two assists per game. He was 46% from the field, 26% from three, and 72% at the foul line in 29 and a half 
minutes per game. Um, you go back one more year to his redshirt freshman season, he averaged a little more points, 11.8 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, a little more rebounds too, also two assists, but he was less efficient than last year's addition, 41% from the field. He he was better from three at 33%, and then the free throw shooting was down in the low 60s. Um, but the defensive numbers also went up a good amount last year as well. He was at 0.4 steals per game his redshirt freshman year, got up to 0.9 last season. Um, and it's also good to point out the the tribes and tribulations that he kind of went through last season. So if you remember, uh, right before the season starts and right before his his twenty first birthday, he gets uh, pulled over for suspicion of DUI, and because of that, and because of the repercussions of of everything that went through, he is suspended the first three games of the season. And it was noted very well, and I'll bring it up again here, both. You know, by Bill Self, by Jalen, how he he took responsibility of his actions. You know, it's not something um, that you hope ever happens. It's it's not something that um, you just pass over because it's obviously a very big deal. But it's also um, something where to show accountability there and and to you know show that. He wanted to gain forgiveness back and, and those things. That was important for Jalen to show. And and he seemed to step up and, and be really mature in that moment. But unfortunately for him, by being suspended the first three games, it, it took some time to get back in the swing of things. He comes back for the ESPN Events Invitational. He's coming off the bench. And, you know, he's, he's just kind of struggling to find his fit. What's the role of the team? What exactly is he playing? What lineups is he playing with? It's tough. It's just it's very tough anytime that has to happen. And uh in the case of of Jalen, it it took a, a mental toll, I think, on his game, so much so I I believe it was no, I don't want to miss uh miss source who wrote it, but uh, one of the, the beat writers wrote a, a really good piece on, on Jalen, um, documenting the season that he kind of had and how much that did take a, a mental toll on things when he wasn't playing as well. He didn't have as big of a role as he would have thought, and it all dated back to that, uh, that he wasn't able to totally wrap his head around what was going on, and, and you know, it, it almost leads to a snowballing effect where, where things kind of go downhill and you're playing inefficient, inefficiently and you're you're not having as, as big of an impact as you know you can and, and hope you can on the team. And then Big 12 play starts, and... He kind of mentions, and you know, Bill Self has talked about this too, that once you get to conference play, it does kind of allow you to turn the page a little bit because it's like the second of three seasons. You have the non-conference, you have the conference play, and then you have the postseason. And it enables you to say, okay, well, the non-conference was the non-conference. We got a new game now. We got a new season now. And from really the the Texas Tech game in Lubbock, which I believe was their second Big 12 game on, he really started to break out in Big 12 play. Um, if you look at his numbers in Big 12 play, and again, like keep in mind, all of these come with him being, because you have Ochag Baji as the first option. You have Christian Brown, second on the team in scoring. David McCormick's always a high-up option in the half court whenever Remy Martin's playing. Uh, like when, when Jalen's on the floor, he's at times the, the third option, the fourth option, because of how loaded KU is with, with all these good and, and NBA players and, and all conference picks and so forth. Um, but even despite that, even despite having to work through those things, 
in Big 12 play, including the Big 12 tournament, so that's over the course of, of 21 games in Big 12 play um, with the inclusion of that, he averaged over 13 points, 7.5 rebounds, 2 assists, over a steal, half a block, and the shooting percentages insane from Jalen in Big 12 play. 64% on two-point shots. He was also at about 34%, 33.8 on three-point shots. So even, even the three-point shooting was there for Jalen. And then things dropped off a bit efficiency-wise once we got to the NCAA tournament. But the totals, the impact, all that stuff was still there. He shot just 35% from the field in the NCAA tournament, 18% from three. I'm sure that had a big reason why with him coming back. Like if if he shot 34% from three and 64% on twos in the NCAA tournament like he did in the Big 12 tournament, then I think he's probably gone at this point. He also was 86% on free throws. And even despite not having the most efficient games, like I said, he still grinded it out. He still found a way to make a big impacts, 12 points, 10 rebounds per game over two assists per game uh, among, I guess uh, the, the free throw shooters that took enough to make you consider him here, not just going like one of one or two for two. He was KU's best free throw shooter, 86% in the NCAA tournament. I think the thing I loved about KU's coaching staff in the tournament with Jalen Wilson was that, you know, a lot of things weren't working, but when they weren't working, they were like, okay, let's move on to this thing and this thing and this thing and this thing. He attacked the rim a lot. You even look at the second half of the national championship. First half, he couldn't make anything to save his life, but second half, dude balled out and because he had a double-double in the championship. Yeah. And... All he, all he had to do, like, even if things weren't working from outside, which I know he did hit one three in the natty, but he airballed the second one, um, he still drove inside and was a big impact on offense. And that's the thing, because I think the coaching staff really made that a point of emphasis, saying, you know, we have these three guys with Oach, CB, and David, but the fourth guy has to be as important as those three. So they're looking at Jalen, and, and they're saying, you know, you have to be that guy. If something if something doesn't work out, you know you got to do this instead, and everything did work out in mm-hmm. his favor. Yeah, um, tied for the team lead in points in that uh, NCAA final game. So he he was really on a heater as as the season went on. And, and honestly, if you were to just say that he has the three point percentage just over the course of this next season that he had in Big Twelve play of thirty four percent, I think still you're probably going, man, can he get it though like thirty six into the high thirties? Because that would be even. Um, take his game to another level but even 34 percent like that might be doable with as as elite as he is at being able to get to the rim as, as great as he is in transition play because he's a good passer in the open court he can take it into the body of the defender in the open court he, he's just a very valuable player in um especially in today's day and age like if you go back to maybe the mid early 2000s he's probably playing the three now he can play the four or the five with the way the game is gone which just adds to his versatility and what he can do uh, now, as far as the swing skill, you probably know what I'm going to say. I've said it for a lot of guys. It's the three-point shooting, and and you know that with Jalen. I'm sure that's what NBA teams told him and stuff. To a lesser extent, it's the defense. He hasn't been known for being like a defensive stopper, though we've actually seen moments where he has come up huge defensively. I, I think back to the Texas game on, on senior day where they kept attacking him, and he kept coming up with stop after stop on the defensive end. Um, it, but I say to the lesser extent because – a, like, you have a lot of really good defenders around you. And B, he's going to be asked to be the guy on this team, and he's going to be asked to carry a heavy load offensively. 
to where there's only so much impact you're going to be able to do defensively. Like, for instance, uh, Devontae Graham, like his freshman and sophomore year, was a really good defender. I mean, remember what he did against Buddy Heald and Norman? Mm, yeah. Um, shoot, Frank Mason, his, I want to say, sophomore season was all Big 12 defensive team. By the time, like, Frank Mason and Devontae Graham got to their senior seasons, they weren't bad defenders, but they weren't guys that you were like, oh, they're all Big 12 defensive team now. And and I don't think that was just because the, the defensive acumen or ability went away. It's just because they were being asked to play 36, 37 minutes a game, carry a big load offensively, that you can't, you just you just don't have as much energy to expend over the course of the entire game. Now it's late in the game; you're going to lock up and stuff defensively. Like you're still trying there, but it's just it, it's a different level. It just is. So so that'll be the case for Jalen. Um, but if the shooting comes around, you know we're talking about a player that I already look at coming into the air. If you told me he's going to shoot low thirties, I still think we're going to have a very successful, very impactful season for Jalen Wilson. But, yeah, if the shooting does come around where he's, like, a legit knockdown shooter, at least on, like, open shots and set shots, and he can hit the occasional shot, like, off the dribble or off a screen or off movement or something, I mean, that that takes him to the next level of, like, possible All-American, right? Yeah, it has to. Because or, even, I, or even, like, what do you say, like, mid-upper 30s, three-point shooting, yeah. if, he could, if he could perform very well in the paint as well and rebound at an extremely consistent level, like, probably average a double-double, man, I also see Naismith Player of the Year. Not no, it's, it's not out of the question. It's, it's really yeah. not. It's really not. Um, because, again, like, Kansas is, shocker, expected to be good again. And, like, you're going to be in the national discussion, which you have to be to be in that award. Um, could Jalen Wilson go out there and, like you said, average 17, 18 points, 8, 9, 10 rebounds a game? And if the shooting's there, the efficiency's there? Yeah, that's that's in the conversation the same way Ochai was uh, this season. So realistic floor and realistic ceiling. It's a bit of a smaller window here. Um I think the floor here is still all Big 12 season. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's not first team all Big 12. Maybe the floor is second or third team or something. He's been third team the past couple of years, though. So, um, it's just, it's hard for me when you know the opportunity he's going to have on a good team. He's going to be the go-to option. He's probably going to be the leading scorer. He's probably going to be the leading rebounder. If you're the leading scorer, leading rebounder on a team who's going to finish at or near the top of the conference... You're going to be first team all Big 12, but I guess you could just convince yourself that, I don't know, maybe Grady Dick comes out and leads the team in scoring, and, and maybe the floor is that um, the the shooting doesn't come around and, and he's a similar player to where he was the last two years just with more opportunity, more shots coming up, and so he's still an all Big 12 player, just maybe not in the All-American National Player of the Year conversation. That's a pretty darn good floor, though, if that's like the realistic worst-case scenario. I I think the, like, building on to that, I think that would also have to kind of tie into the only way that he could possibly not be a first-team All-Big 12 is if he struggles early on and does not become the number one guy for KU, whether it turns to Yasafu or Harris or, heck, even Grady Dick Mm -hmm. being the number one guy to look to. But I think that is the only way that he does not get a first-team All-Big 12 uh, stint this year. I think I agree with you. And and again, like even in that situation where that happens, he's probably going to, at that point, still be All-Big 12 second team or something, right? Um, it's hard not to think he's he's one of the best players in the Big 12. So realistic ceiling, the shooting does come around, right? He's, he's a 34 35% three-point shooter at minimum. Maybe it can get into the high 30s. Maybe, dare even say, if it gets to like 40%, right? If that were the case... 
Uh, I mean, I don't know how you stop this guy defensively because you, he's such a good driver. He's such a good player getting you on his hip, taking you to the basket, finishing through contact. Um, he can, if he's being guarded by a smaller player, he can kind of bury him down low. If he's in transition, he's so good there. If he's hitting threes and showing a different multitude of how he's hitting threes, uh, it's not just about the percentage here. I, I know I earmarked it with a, a percentage, but it's also about, like, can you hit threes off movement? Can you hit threes coming off screens? Can you hit threes off the dribble? Like, different ways of enhancing your offensive game, the the bag of tricks you kind of have offensively. Then he just becomes such a multiple player offensively that realistically, I mean, if you told me he's going to be a low 30s percent three-point shooter, you could convince me he's going to average 14, 15 a game. If you tell me the three-point shooting comes around, you could convince me he's going to average 16, 17, 18 points per game this next season and, and get as we know, he's a great rebounder, could get eight to 10 rebounds per game with the transition game and, and kind of leading the way there could get him two or three assists per game as well. Like statistically, he could have an unbelievable season this next year. And then you combine all that with a winning team, um, a team who could win the Big 12 or at the very least be right near the top of the standings. I mean, the realistic ceiling is him winning Big 12 Player of the Year. It's him being an All-American. It's him being in that National Player of the Year race. And I think at the end of it, being drafted in right. the NBA, not just drafted, but probably a lot of a lottery pick. I don't know if I, go I don't know if I would far. go that far. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I just think it. Well, it does just kind of have to tie into: can he be the guy that can um, shoot on the move or on the run or something like that? Because he's mostly a catch and shoot guy, mm -hmm. just from what we've seen. Now, part of that does mainly just have to do with you know he slips off the screen, he gets open. So if he's open, just why not shoot it? And we haven't seen a whole lot of shooting on the move unless it's stepping into a long two, which he has made with uh, he has made with consistency. I'll say that much. I mean, um, I was impressed with a couple of them that he made against uh, that double overtime Texas Tech game, um, and a couple of them in the tournament as well. Um, it just I, I just think that's what it has to depend on. That and his defense. You know, we're um, with KU not being they're going to be kind of tall, but not like a seven foot kind of mm -hmm. guy, and. I think it just mainly has to do with his defense as well. Could he turn from a four into possibly a five, like stretch into a five? We'll just have to see, honestly. No, I'm very interested in what that role positionally is going to be for him um, because I think the majority of it still will be at the four where we've seen him have a lot of success. But, yeah, given the comments we, we talked about yesterday, I think you will see some minutes with him at the five. Could you see him at the three for a few minutes? Because that could be what he's asked to do in the NBA to give him a little showcase there. That's possible as well. Um, but if all that stuff does come together and Jalen Wilson does have that type of season that we're talking about in the ceiling where he is a legit Big 12 player of the year, I mean, the the cool part about it too is that like it's not even a discussion at that point. If, if Jalen wins Big 12 player of the year, he's going to get his jersey retired right. at KU. I mean, you'd be talking about a Big 12 player of the year who also had a national championship who had three productive, solid, all Big 12-level seasons at KU. And um, it, it's important to players to have and know their roles. We see that um, every season where, uh, like Scott Chasen um, has mentioned this to me before, that like, the 11-12 season, as great of a coaching job as it was by Bill Self, there was a part of it that was nice for for that side of things because you had Thomas Robinson and Tyshawn Taylor, and that made it easier for the other guys to be like, okay, we know those are the dudes. Let's fill into these roles. Same right. with, I'm sure, the 08-09 Kansas team with Sharon and Cole, where it's like, okay, we know those are the dudes. Let's settle into these other roles. I'll be the spot-up shooter. I'll be the defensive stopper, whatever it is. If you didn't have Jalen Wilson back, 
there's like a serious discussion that we're having all throughout the offseason of who's going to lead this team in scoring, who's going to be the alpha, who's going to be the go-to guy in the clutch, who's going to be the leader of the team, who's going to be the vocal leader of the team in addition, like all those things. We don't have those questions now that Jalen Wilson's here. And um, the fact that he is, I think, allows other guys to easily, more easily, fit into specific roles of that will make this team better because it's a lot easier if you know what your job is for the specific team than everybody's trying to jockey for that kind of positioning. I agree. Now, obviously, there are going to be a lot of questions to be answered. Who can fit into that role? How long? and how much, but I think by the time the season comes to a start, I think we'll see that easily, and I think I think this team could really go far. He is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. We are going to take a timeout, then get you a U.S. Open update. After that, we'll be joined by Doug Crumpton-Murray. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN, depending on it. Did you know that on our website, klwn.com, as well as our sister stations, 1059kissfm.com, bull929.com we have a program called hometown deals so you click the tab and it takes you to a magical place where gift cards are 50 percent off we have handfuls of different restaurants and places that you can go to that you can get a 50 percent off gift card too so just go to the website click hometown deals and you'll see some of those gift cards for 50 percent off if you're a business and interested in being part of this as well and getting featured ads at no cash price and just gift card cost Shoot us an email, djohnson at gpmnow.com. Joined now by Doug Crumpton Murray. You may recognize the name as the uh, breakout star from RCST Trivia in the tournament in 2022. And I've learned more about Doug, his background, and, and a really cool story he has. So we're going to get to that in a moment here. But I guess first things first, Doug, how, how have you been feeling since uh, your trivia debut and, and making it all the way to the grade eight before suffering a, a tough defeat there? I had a great experience with it. It was uh, it was tough. I, I really felt prepared, and um, you know, just that one. I don't know how that question slipped by me. Like it never, it, I never heard that stat, that that information, and it was like I was so loaded up with every other one, and it just just caught me. So, um, congrats to the winner. You know, that was great. But I, I had a lot of fun with. it. Like I said, I'm not just having you on to talk trivia. You have a, a really fun story and a tie to a past Jayhawk that I wasn't aware of, but looked into more and, and thought this was a great story. And, you know, for a guy like me, who's in my late twenties and, and didn't get to experience some of these players and, and some of these past years. And that would be Donnie Von Moore. Talk to me about the player that he was at KU. Uh, I guess, before we kind of get into this story, Donnie Von Moore was a uh, six foot nine post player. You know, it was the era where they didn't really let guys out that much, although Rick Suttle was sort of a the ultimate stretch five before it was even a thing. But um, Donnie was a very versatile player. He could score the ball. He also was a great shot blocker. I think he's uh, he's in the top fifteen all time in shot blocks. Scored thirty against Missouri. Um, was on that seventy eight team that was a top ten team all year. Uh, went twenty two and four. So he, so he had an excellent career at KU. That's kind of the background on this guy, and um, obviously, as you'll go into here in the story, there could have been even more, if not for you know maybe some some health stuff that went on. Um, talk to me about the relationship that you kind of because you you did uh, go to Lawrence High, tennis player. Uh, you enjoyed basketball and everything. Um, how you kind of struck up your relationship here 
over a letter? The story is something that, uh, you know, like fate just taking place and, and happening for a reason. So at 13 years old, I'm in eighth grade. Um, basketball was everything. And I was having a tough year. Um, 13 is kind of tough for everybody. Parents were going through a divorce, and I broke my arm playing football. Didn't make the basketball team. And so I was, like, just, just really upset, depressed at that point, having a tough time. I wrote my favorite player a letter. And, again, why, was, why I was a guard, Donnie was a center. You know, it's just one of those, I just like the way he played. Just something about how he played. So I wrote him a letter. And for years, I thought he got the letter. And then I find out he never did see the letter. But there was an assistant coach, the late uh, Duncan Reed, uh, was an assistant coach and knew, knew me because I had played with his son. And he saw the letter. We went to the same church, so I guess he knew I was struggling a little bit. Came to Donnie. Hey, why don't we help this young man out? Let's, let's take him out to dinner. So I'm at home. Phone rings. It's my favorite player. And, you know, this is pre-social media, you know, just just big, huge moment. Oh, my gosh, my favorite player is calling me. So they took me to dinner. Training table back in the day where all the athletes ate at the same place. So, you know, I'm just, it's unbelievable. (laughs) So just a great night. That's how I met him. So for the next month or so, I would go up every once in a while, watch workouts, I'd get to shoot free throws with him on Allen Fieldhouse. You know, it's just like such a big moment. I just my idol, and I'm getting to hang out with him, and it's great. So then, right after that, he—that's when he had his medical emergency. He um, he developed pneumonia. It was misdiagnosed, and it went all through his. He had fluid all through his body. It became a, a yeah, life and death surgery kind of situation. So. He, he had to be rushed to KU Med Center. He was going to have surgery the next day. And so Donnie, Donnie comes from Chicago, Illinois, comes from a tough area, always had been a star in basketball. And, and you know, this is no different than today that people tend to kind of want to use you for your abilities and leech onto you and that sort of thing. So I guess it was just I was that, I was that person that didn't want anything from him. You know, I just, I just was thrilled to be in his presence, you know, just, just happy to be around him. And for, so for whatever reason, he told Coach Owens he wanted me to be there at the surgery. So now I'm at home. Head coach Ted Owens calls me. You know, it's kind of looking back, it's just funny. You know, it's like kind of surreal for a 13-year-old. It's like, if Donnie wants you to be there, can you go to Kansas City? Yeah, let's go. Um, he has the surgery. Uh, and just from that moment, we always had this bond. You know, we were just always connected from that point on. Um, it was very serious surgery. He, he had the red shirt. He missed the entire uh, next year. So he sat out that year, but then came back and played his junior and senior year. Um, so that was, you know, his, his last year was 1978. Um, he stayed at my house. He lived with us when he got done with his eligibility. He stayed to get his degree. Uh, really speaks volumes for about my mother, what kind of person she is, you know, that she welcomed with open arms. Uh, he got his degree from Kansas. Uh, my family adores Donnie. So fast forward, you know, 47 years later, we're still best friends. And he was best man at my wedding. I was best man at his wedding. Um, it's just been a bond that's always been there. It's kind of been from, you know, he's like a father figure to me when I was younger and going into adulthood, you know, we're brothers and, and just, just 
have always had, he's always that friend who's there for me. And so uh, just all because of one letter, you know, just kind of this, this uh, circumstance that took place is, is pretty amazing to me. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a great story for a couple reasons. You, you get the tie-in there with, with KU, but of showing the, the impact of, um, you know, what you can do as far as, I, I, I guess he, he didn't see the letter to begin with, but uh, of what uh, it's kind of something small like that can turn into, and, and you never know what that's going to be. Um, and, yeah, Donnie Von Moore uh, played from 1973 to 1978. You mentioned the, the missed year kind of in between there with, with the red shirt and everything. Uh, last year averaged 11 points, six and a half rebounds per game. Uh, do you have a, a favorite Donnie Von Moore game or, or memory from his time at KU? Um, dropping 30 against Missouri was always a, uh, a big moment. Um, they had an upset loss against Kansas State in the uh, postseason tournament, but um, in that game he had like a reverse tomahawk dunk that, that kind of stands out in my memory. Um, uh, you know, he also, he's going to hate me for bringing it up. You know, he also had the uh, fight against Missouri, that uh, the melee in Allen Fieldhouse, where um, the funny story, the funny part about that story is he, he was not a fighter at all. And what happened was it was a, it was kind of stepping up for, sticking up for another teammate, that there was this kind of thing going on and it escalated and the Missouri player hit his teammate. And that was back in the day where they, they were up on kind of the raised court. And so it just broke out and it was crazy and everybody got pushed. The fight went under the bleachers. And so nobody could really tell what was going on. And then they, they came out and Jim Kennedy was bleeding. Jim Kennedy of Missouri was bleeding and uh, no, nobody really knew. And so, so they, then they announce it and they're like, uh, Donnie Von Moore and Jim Kennedy have been kicked out. But he tells the story that Coach Owens came to him to Donnie. They say you're getting kicked out. What, what did you do? I, I, not, Coach, I didn't do anything. And then they looked at the tape and he, he, he hit Jim Kennedy like <laughs> 50 times. I, it was, um, and then one last thing about that I thought was funny. Uh, maybe two years later in the uh, they used to have the Christmas tournament and 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 they would play a Big Twelve Christmas Big Twelve Big Eight Christmas mm-hmm. tournament and he got on an elevator at the at Crown Center Hotel and who's on the elevator but Jim Kennedy wow. and it was him and Jim Kennedy in the elevator he said he didn't say anything he, he actually you know he always kind of felt bad about it he was you know he didn't have any problem with Jim Kennedy he was just sticking up for his teammate but they rode the elevator in silence and not a word was spoken so. <laughs> <laughs> That's some great KU history there. Uh, I, I do got to ask you, he was on some teams with, I mean, anytime you're at Kansas, you're going to be on teams with, with other really good players. Um, I know one RCST legend we've talked about, Paul McKeskey. He was uh, teammates with him for a little bit of time. Uh, teammates with Norm Cook, who was, uh, you know, 15 point per game scorer for KU. Rick Suttle, Roger Morningstar, and uh, also his last year, you would have been uh, teammates with Darnell Valentine, the young freshman. So do you have any uh, uh, fun stories or, or remembrances of any of those other players uh, kind of being around the team, being around Donnie, and, and how special some of those other guys were as well? And it was a great group of players. I remember um, like Danny Knight mm-hmm. was like kind of the consummate teammate. You know, the Knight brothers have such a legacy at KU. But I, I remember Danny Knight was just kind of always friendly with everybody, always, you know, kind of really likable guy. Uh, uh, 
the the aforementioned Ken Koenigs was also who's now a doctor in uh, Massachusetts, I believe. But um, he was he was another guy who's real serious. You know, they they just had some really great team leaders uh, uh, on that team. And then another guy that I don't think gets mentioned as much. Uh, it came up in trivia a couple times, but John Douglas mm-hmm. was just a tremendous scorer of the ball. You know, his forty six against Iowa State. You know, not I mean he he was just a really tough guy to defend against. So, um, you know, I was around a lot of the, being around Donnie. I was around a lot of those guys. Big Mo was a really nice guy. Um, uh, you had the Big Mo, Little Mo. Uh, uh, tandem there, Wilmore Fowler out of Florida was kind of funny, uh, but yeah, they, they, it was just a fun team environment. You know, I wish I wish they had done. You know, like you know how it goes with the tournament. Um, they had a, a tough first, tough loss in '78, uh, but they had a really good team that year. Well, uh, Doug, I appreciate you taking some time out of your day here and hopping on and, and sharing that story. It's it's both an inspirational story, it's a fun story, and, and kind of getting a peek behind the curtain of some stuff that. You know, you, you don't always uh, – now we're in the Bill Self era. We talk about the Self era and the Roy Williams era, and, and you go back in time a little bit and, and remember some of those guys as well. So, Doug, I appreciate you hopping on here, man. Hey, thanks very much. Uh, have a great trip in Germany. That was Doug Crumpton Murray. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. One hour down, two to go. Welcome back to Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Derek Johnson with Lane Gillespie. My final day, final couple hours for me for a few weeks. I will be back unless I like something tragic happens on the trip, which um, I may well, or don't, may don't. don't I try know. To speak into it. Come I know. On, I man. don't want it to happen. I'll make that clear. But like, I guess I should address that now. I can't say with certainty I'll be back in a couple weeks. I hope I'm back in a couple weeks. Uh, not to get too cryptic there. So uh, we have some more audio to play for you coming up. In about 25 minutes from right now from KU Baseball, we have a lie detector test in the 5 o'clock hour. We also have some more KU Basketball audio we're going to get to you. But right now, on a Friday, it's that time. The stock market is officially closed over in Wall Street in, uh, what is that, New York? New York's Wall Street, right? Yeah, New York is Wall Street. I was about to feel very stupid. Um, Yeah, so Wall Street, uh, stock market bell, officially closed. And we are going to tell you what's up. What's down, what's sideways, what's left, what's right. No, we're just going to tell you what stock's up and what stock is down. Lane, go ahead and cue the music here. Our stock market closing bell starts off with stock being up on ugly college basketball games. John Rothstein um, reporting, Gonzaga and Michigan State are in the process of trying to revive the college hoops game on an aircraft carrier. Oh, boy. Uh, Sources say the plans are optimistic at this stage, but the game is not finalized. There are still hurdles to clear, such as, I'm sure, player safety. They they stopped playing this game for a while. They did it for a couple years. I think the first time they did it was kind of cool. It was like, oh, this is interesting. And then you actually see the game happen, and it was like a really low-scoring, kind of gross game because you're playing outside. Yeah, I've never been a fan of outdoor games just because (laughs) the wind goes into the fact that I've heard uh, there were games that had to be delayed because some water would get on the court. Yeah, no, that's the other part. Like, it's so moist when you're on the water and and the the court gets, you know, it gets a lot slippery, uh, slipperier um, out there. And and so you have people who are just slipping, sliding everywhere. It's dangerous. You have players who have a a better chance of, of rolling their ankle or something. I don't love it from that standpoint. I do, kind of, like I said, it was it was a cool setting for a game, and it, it looked cool, and it was different, and, and it grabs attention, so, like, that's cool and all. 
but it's one of those things where it's not as fun as it sounds. If they were to do another game outside, I would love to see them do what... Because, again, you could never do this for the NCAA tournament or conference play because, like you said, what happens if the wind is blowing for one guy's shot, not the other guy's shot? Like, that's, right. that's not totally fair. It, it's fine if you're doing it for a non-conference game because you could argue, well, what is it, um, you know, totally mean here if it's the first game of the season? Whatever. But they're doing, like, in the basketball tournament in a couple weeks over at Rucker Park, the legendary, like, outdoor park over mm. uh, in New York. They're doing, like, a regional there. That, to me, is cool. Okay. So if they wanted to do, like, a tournament there, that'd be cool. But also, at the same point in time, I don't know how that works with, like, you know, you're playing really hard. What happens if a guy gets knocked down and, like, slams his head on the concrete or something? Right. So uh, I don't know how that all works, but I do think there's better places to do it outside. If you're going to do it outside, don't do it on an aircraft carrier where the court's going to get super slippery and uh, super wet. Stock is down on Mixology. Because it is being taken away from us. Darren Ravel uh, reporting that Coke and Jack Daniels have agreed to can their famous bar combo. Hmm. So you can just get a Jack and Coke in a can now. I will say, I'm a fan of that. I'm a whiskey and Coke guy. I am too, but I'm not a fan of this coming in, in the, bo- in yeah, the, uh, not the bottle, something, the can. Something to me just kind of screams gross. Well, I, like, uh, because it's like pre-packaged, and you there's probably going to be like a 12 pack of it, and it's probably just going to get gross because you know you mix it together. Get warm, it's, it's going to get garage. Yeah. Uh, I just my thing is that like I, I don't know. I'm sure it'll be fine. Like I just I there there is you know a, a beauty to being able to you know you go to the to your if you're doing it at home, you go to your bar, your kitchen table, or, or wherever you do it. And you get to pour your own, right? And, and that's part of the fun. And, and then you get to drink and be like, oh, man, I over-whiskeyed that. Or I, too much Coke. Let me splash some more in there. Mm-hmm. You know, this this takes away the fun of that. This takes away the fun of the mixology. Well, and also people have a tendency of ratio for Coke and whiskey. Mm-hmm. So that's, Everybody that's has the other their own, thing. right? Yeah, and now it's just going to be set. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get a choice in the matter. And Unless guess, you want to pour a little bit more. Right. Jack or a little bit more Coke if you have any that's, at home. But then what's the work. point of exactly. buying the 12-pack? Exactly. What is the point of doing it? Then I would just do what we're doing now. Right. So I don't love it from that standpoint. I do hope uh, one thing that comes out of this, though, maybe it'll be easier to, like, you know, you're at, you're at a stadium, you're at a sporting event. Maybe this will be easier, like, on demand to be able to get a whiskey Coke. As maybe opposed cheaper, to, too. Exactly. As opposed to paying $15, $20, maybe it's like, oh, we, we just have the canned stuff. It's cheaper for you. Like, you know, sometimes you go to a sporting event or, or a bar or something, and they're like, you know, uh, if you want a draft beer, it's $7, but if you want a can, it's $4. Maybe you can do that here, and, and if that's the case, then then that's a positive. So I guess stocks up on being able to get cheaper drinks is the positive Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. You never know. Uh, stock is up on MLS player salaries, and honestly, the MLS in general. Uh, we mentioned yesterday... This doesn't have to do with the MLS, but cool soccer news in the world of football. Um, the Kansas City is going to be one of the locations for the World Cup, which is cool in its own. And then you look at the map and all the locations. Kansas City is like the only central area. Yeah. Like you look at the other cities and it's like, wow, uh, one of these is unlike the other uh, in terms of Kansas City. You see like New York and Boston and L.A. And it's like Kansas City is in the mix there. It's just a, a testament to the passion for soccer here in the local area, which, by the way, you can go on out to the Sporting KC2 game tonight over at Rock Chalk Park. Um, but the reason the stock is up on MLS player salaries and the MLS in general, I mean, this is quite literally the stock is up. Apple TV agreed to pay the MLS $2.5 billion 
dollars. That's with a B. With a B. Wow. Over uh, ten years for streaming rights, and like we're used to seeing those numbers for the NFL and uh, the NBA and, and the MLB and stuff. Not used to seeing that in the MLS, which has been a very big growing sport. Um, and, and so the two and a half billion dollars per year. That equates to $250 million per year of the contract. Uh, To show you how much of an increase that is for them, just in terms of the TV revenue, which the TV revenue does get distributed out over the different teams, and that is a big part of what goes in to them setting the the salary cap or uh, in the cases of unsalaried leagues, like or unsalary capped leagues, teams are just going to have more money and be able to pay players more, right? Well, currently the the TV deal that um, the MLS has with ESPN, Fox, and Univision, and I believe this is still going to be intact. It's just that ESPN, Fox, and Univision, for, for at least a few years while they overlap, they'll just be taking kind of a feed from Apple TV to play on their own, but it's $90 million per year. Mm. So you're going up from 90 to 250. Doesn't take uh, uh, you know, neurologist or whatever uh, man I'm, I'm stupid I can't think of a smart job nonetheless um, <laughs> it doesn't take a, a you know rocket scientist to figure out that that's a big increase in money 160 million dollars extra per year to be distributed out over the MLS teams basically a little less than three times the amount of money just from the TV contracts and, and previously in the MLS the contract minimum it was around eighty thousand dollars per year um, about sixty thousand dollars for reserves as part of the the salary. Highest paid player in the MLS right now is making about $8 million. I wonder if with this new TV contract, it's not going to happen right away. It'll be a slow sifting up of contracts, right? You'll start to see now the next big player is going to get 9 or $10 million. Next big player after that will get 11 or 12 right? It, it'll slowly work on itself. But are we far away from, in the same way that we see in like the NBA or the NFL or the MLB, where it's like, you know, if you're a stud pitcher in the MLB, you can get $25 million per year. Or if you're a, you know, all-star level player uh, in the NBA, you might get $30, $35, $40 million a year. In the NFL, uh, Tyreek Hill is getting $25, $30 million a year. I wonder if we're going to see a point coming up soon where in the MLS, like the top players, because of this contract, are going to be making $20-plus million. Again, if you just base like it on... That. Well, if you just base it on $90 million a year now for the TV contract, up to two fifty, it's about three times the amount. And you say the highest paid guy now is making $8 million, about three times the amount is over $20 million per year. And I wonder how much that could not just add to the popularity of the MLS in terms of, like, from youth sports, from that level of things. Um, obviously, if you're playing youth sports, it's more for the passion of the game than, than the idea of money. But if you're a kid, it's hard not to see, you know, if, if you're picking between sports and you're in high school or whatever, and originally you were picking baseball over playing soccer or something, even though you liked both sports, if you start to see soccer players in the U.S. making $15, $20 million a year, you might say, no, I, I actually do like the way that, that this is going in, in terms of the high school route or something like that. Maybe you do get more real players wanting to play soccer long term, and maybe that helps like Team USA, but maybe it also helps... Um, We've seen in the MLS there be a, a solid contingent of like legendary or really good like European players who eventually come over to the MLS. But right. for a lot of them, it's like at the back end of their career. 
We saw it with David yeah. Beckham. You know what I mean? It's the last couple of years of their career. They're just like, I'm going to get paid over here and still be the star as opposed to, I'll still get paid back home, but I'm not going to be the star of the team anymore. I've lost the step. I can come over here. If if they're able to start paying players, again, $10, $15, 20000000 million a year on a more regular basis, they're going to start getting like some legit talent from Europe and, and overseas. And that, I think, is exciting uh, for here in the States. Okay, uh, stock is down on Kansas private high schools, such as Bishop Miege, St. Thomas Aquinas, um, rolling through lower levels that they should not be playing in. Like, Bishop Miege has been in 4A for the longest time, which is so weird. Keisha has passed some noon modifiers. It was funny, as part of the voting, um, it was like the 4A or the 5A and 6A schools were like, no, we don't want you to pass this. And all the 1A through 4A schools were like, yes, please pass this. So it ended up passing. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. This is not me saying that, like, Bishop Miege and St. Thomas Aquinas, like, aren't going to be good anymore or anything. No, not at all. Like, those schools could and, and probably still will win state championships in 5A and 6A. That's the point, though. They're good enough to win state championships in 5A and 6A. They shouldn't be having to do it in, in their current lower levels right now. Right. And it's it, it's just unfortunate for the lower tiers. I don't understand. Like, so I, I didn't grow up in Kansas. I, I uh, went to high school in Southern California, but I also lived in Texas and Colorado. And, like, everywhere I went... Uh, to my knowledge, at least when I was there, I, I don't know how things work anymore. There were like modifiers on on like the private schools or the schools that could basically recruit other kids to where even if they had less kids in attendance at the school, they were jumping up a level because guess what? They could go out and get whatever kids they wanted and they were good enough to play at that level. And that always seemed fair to me. So I, I'm glad that they're doing away with this and I'm glad that Bishop Miege isn't going to just you know, romp over some 4A team 50 to, to 7 in the state championship for football again. Play against better competition. Again, Bishop Miege right. might still win the state title, but at least it's real competition now, and it's not taking away from the other kids. Well, I have one story. I grew up in Topeka. I went mm-hmm. to Seaman High School. It's a public school. The private school in Topeka, like the big one, is Hayden High School. And there were some times, like, they were a football powerhouse about 20 years ago. They're not so much anymore. But there's still a basketball powerhouse. Um, but they're down in 3A. They were 4A when I was in high school. They're now down to 3A. But they're still winning a bunch of titles with basketball and stuff like that. And um, They actually, I wouldn't say stole, but like they recruited <laughs> a couple of basketball players from my high school. And one of them ended up playing Division One basketball down the line. Uh, that being Zach Harvey, who I think is at oh, UC yeah. Santa Barbara right now or something like that. Um, if he that is if he's still playing, I don't know if he just finished his final year because he was about my age or a year younger than me or something like that. But yeah, that's a that's a little tidbit. But his freshman year, he played at my high school, and then Aiden took him from us. I mean, it worked out for him because you know there were a lot more like there were time there was time to time where at basketball games like Bruce Weber would show up out of nowhere. <laughs> you didn't really see Bill Self there that much, but Bruce Weber went to a few Hayden games here yeah, and there. Yeah, it looks like. Uh... I don't know. Last he played was 2020-21, but he would have still had eligibility. So I don't know what happened there. But, yeah, um, so I'm I'm glad that's happening, though. I'm glad that's happening. And I think it'll just lead to better matchups. It'll lead to to less, you know, you don't want a state championship game where one team blows out the other by 40. So I'm excited for that. Uh, Stocks up on early retirements. How about this? Internet Explorer was sent into retirement by Microsoft at age 27. 
Another member of the 27 Club, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> I never thought about that. Well, so you have you have Google Chrome, you have Mozilla Firefox. I, I was quick to jump on the Firefox train. And then over the last four or five years, somewhere in that range, I jumped over to the Google Chrome train. Yeah. There's obviously Safari, which is like an Apple-specific product. So Internet Explorer was uh, just, I don't know, kind of tossed to the side. Unfortunate, man. I mean, was, talk about blowing a lead, right? It was it was my um, internet browser when I was a kid. Yeah, now, same. I, now I have all Apple stuff, so it's mostly Safari right now. Yeah, like it was it was what like AOL, Internet Explorer. Yeah. Those guys fell off. It just makes you think. Like, are we going to be in 15 years? Not that this really matters. Like, who really wants to get into the nitty gritty on browsers? What browser are we going to be using in Google 15 Chrome years? 2.0? Right. It, like it'll that. be something different. I'm sure another 10, 15 years from now. Okay, last one. Stock is up on thievery. Oh my gosh. Did you uh did you see well Steph Curry stealing the finals MVP from Andrew Wiggins? No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> did you see uh this story in Lawrence? Somebody it, it was not just one somebody, it was like three girls, three women, um, stole a scooter from one of the Walmarts in town here well, in Lawrence. The the story or, or at least the their version from what I heard, this is what my girlfriend told me the other day. The reason that they kind of took it from Walmart is because they were they saw it was unattended and wanted to take it so no like knucklehead or something would steal it and just make oh, it theirs. That's such a cover. And they wanted to like keep it and then when like a report would come out they would give it back. I don't know if they gave it back or if someone found it, but I, I know it's they don't have it anymore. But like that's part of me thinking, well. Is that the real story or is that a cover? Yeah, see, <laughs> if you just said, like, it was there and they just took it, like, I would buy into that and they didn't realize they were stealing it. Like, I would buy into that. Them saying, like, imagine that. Imagine me, like, going to to a store. Like, seriously, that sounds like a made-up excuse. Or, and you, you or, grab something off the <laughs> shelves and they're like, I'm, and you put it in your shirt and they're like, excuse me, sir, are you stealing? You're like, no, I'm just... I, I saw that guy over there. He was eyeing it. I thought he was going to steal it, so I was going to hold on to it for a while for you. That does not go over well. So um, that was one story of thievery right here in Lawrence. Also yesterday, so John Rom, who's actually playing really well today, and uh, we'll have our next U.S. Open update for you coming up here in about six minutes. Um, on the 18th hole, he kind of shanked one to the side, and two, two kids... I mean, it's not like you need two kids to pick up right. a golf ball. One of the kids, but they were together, a pair of kids, grabbed his golf ball and just took off. They just left. Now, obviously, the, the tournament, they gave him relief. They allowed him, like, free drop um, over on the side. And John Rahm said he thought he saw the kids because as he was walking to his ball, he saw a couple kids running back the other way. He said that gave him kind of like a sheepish grin and smile. And he was like, looking back, I feel like I know for a fact it was those kids. Here's the thing. What are they going to do with it? Is, was it just like a juvenile type stunt? Or are they actually wanting to do something with it? Like, you keep it as a collectible. Hey, I got John Rahm's ball. Or they'll try to sell it. But then at the same time, nobody's going to buy that that was John Rahm's ball. That's if the thing. you just sell it to some pawn shop right. or something like, like that. Like, how are you going to prove it was John right. Rahm's ball? And on top of that, even if you do prove it was his ball, then you would be indicting yourself in crime. You would right. be like, okay, yeah, I was the one who stole his ball, and you would get that issue there. So, um... Give it to a pawn shop. Here's 50 cents. I don't know what you do. I think, honestly, you just keep it, and you just tell your friends this was John Rahm's ball, and you hope they believe you. That's it, your only it's hope. one of those things like, hey, I did this thing. I'm going to keep right. this. And then... 
like three years down the line, you're going to get bored of it. Just like, like okay, this is old. Just... Yeah, it gets sold at a garage sale for like right. a dollar. Or you, you go play golf with it yourself and you lose it in the woods somewhere. He's Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Truck Sports Talk. That is your stock market for the week here on RCST. We've got some more audio with Dan Fitzgerald coming up next. Lie detector test at the 5 o'clock hour. All after this time out in a U.S. Open update. Would you like to get involved in sponsoring Rock Chalk Sports Talk or the Best of RCST podcast? How about getting involved in some KU action or local high school sports? You can reach out to us, djohnson at gpmnow.com. That's djohnson at gpmnow.com, and we'll see what we can do to help out your business and get involved here in local sports. Five o'clock hour. Final hour for me here for a few weeks here on RCST with Lynn Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson on Rock Chalk Sports Talk and KLWN. Let's... You always say a few. It's it's well, two weeks. There's a few. I thought a few was a two. No, few that's a couple. Two. Few is three at least. Is it? Yes. Is that a thing? Yeah. Can we put that on the poll? I thought a few <laughs> was two. I've always said a few is two. Are you sure? I've always said a few. I'm putting those through Honestly, on my personal me, account. My girlfriend's definition of a few is like three to five. Mine is like five to ten or something like that. But two is always a couple, not necessarily a few. I view it as both. Uh, I, I think you're incorrect there, my guy. Hmm. <laughs> Do you say three plus or just three exactly is a few? Three plus. Okay. So like I'm putting three, that up for a like, poll on my like own account. three to five or something like that. But, yeah, that's a good that's poll. Right. <laughs> okay, well, you can go vote at D. Johnson Radio. I should have put it up. I don't know. Whatever. Um is a few two or three put that on google see what google says about it while many would agree that few means three or more the dictionary definition is not many but more than one so few cannot be one but it can be as low as two so about generic there nonetheless our lie detector test for today first up we go to patrick mahomes patrick mahomes says he was surprised by Tyreek Hill's comments. Quote, I still love Tyreek. He's a one-of-a-kind player. In Coach Reed's offense, it takes the whole team. This offense was rolling before I got here. This offense was rolling when I was a young Cowboys fan watching the Eagles beat up on the Cowboys. It's an offense that's more than one player, and that includes myself. That was his response to some of the clips and messaging that came out with Tyreek Hill's new podcast, in which Tyreek Hill said as part of it that he felt like he wasn't being utilized enough he wasn't being utilized properly and that he kind of felt like he could have been you know uh, given more opportunities there so are you buying Patrick Mahomes saying that um, all these things that you know I still love Tyreek Hill he's not surprised by Tyreek Hill's comments well the like thing that. about Patrick is that he's always such a soft-spoken guy and he's always that class act now whether or not he actually means it or if he just says it you know because of press we don't know. I I don't know, man. I don't think he's lying to be fair. I I mean, he's a, like I know Patrick's such a such an awesome guy and I know Tyreek is too. Um I I mean, I still think Tyreek is full of it. But um Yeah, I think Tyreek Hill. <laughs> but see, I don't think Tyreek Hill is lying either. I think he's just wrong. Exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah, um like those comments, like, dude, you had like 150 targets last year. What do you want? What do you want? Like, what do you mean you're not being used properly? Like, get out of here. Um, I don't really take it for much. It's just him trying to prop up his own podcast. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think uh, there's any actual bad blood here. I, I do think that he still, like, is friends with Tyreek Hill and everything. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think he's lying. Uh, next up, Kim Kardashian. 
who has not been brought up on this show in a while. Uh, this is a quote that Kim Kardashian was talking about to the New York Times in an interview in discussing, um, like, keeping her looking I'm, young. I'm sorry, I just pulled it up. That's why yeah. I was laughing. Oh <laughs> here's, here's the quote. Um, if you told me that I literally had to eat poop every single day and I would look younger, I might. I just might. Is she lying? Would she actually eat poop to look younger? <laughs> Bro, uh, yes, just because. G g give her the scenario and she would immediately say no. I, I, love right. the, I love the top comment says she's just talking blank now. <laughs> yeah, right? That's pretty funny. That's pretty good. Um, gosh. Uh, you know what's crazy? I actually don't think she's... Oh, my gosh. That's It's just ridiculous. one of those where you say it, but then when the opportunity comes up, you're just like... Hell no. See, but I think she actually would. Maybe well, not right now, but if you if you came to her when she's, you know, 60 years old or something. I don't know how old she is now. 40, something like, like that. She's like around know. 40, I think. Right? Okay, so 20 years from now. She's got some wrinkles, right? Um, I think she might. You think so? I really do. Like, I, I don't think we, that's that much Should of a we, lie, like, inside the NBA and put it on a post-it note <laughs> just for it to stay on the window right? for 20 years? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Kim Kardashian uh, would eat poop to look younger. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of sad that I, I kind of buy into that. Okay, next story. Um, Miles Bridges, who is had a great year. He was in a contract year for the Charlotte Hornets. Put up great numbers. He's about to get the bag. He's about to get paid. He posted to his Instagram story. This is like a week ago. A picture of him holding a cup with some ice in it. And there's a like purplish, pinkish drink in there. And okay. you can also see like the edge of what appears to be, unless he's like rolling his own cigarettes, a blunt in his fingers as well. Um, what the drink appears to be is what uh, the common man refers to as purple drink, which is a mix of codeine, promethazine, cough syrup, and like a Jolly Rancher dropped in the bottom. Um, he took a lot of flack for posting this picture. And the best part of this, he took to Twitter afterwards and he just tweets, like not at anyone or anything, just right. to respond to the rumors that he's doing this. Pink lemonade with a an emoji of like, you know, the smiling emoji, but upside down. So he's just basically saying, no, it was pink lemonade. It wasn't so, purple drink. But so he doesn't even address the blunt. <laughs> right. He's just like, no. What's the setting again? Is this like at a party or something? I, I don't know. You can't see. All it is is okay. like a zoomed in picture of his hand holding the cup with, it oh, looks okay. like he's, I don't know, maybe in a car or something. I was going to say, oh, well, I mean, like if it was at a party, then I would think he's lying. But like, <laughs> let's say it's like some country club place or something like that, or mm -hmm. just like some park or something like that, then it probably actually is pink lemonade. I I, I mean, I, I don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I need more, I need more context, basically. I, I think he's lying. I don't think it's think so? limited. Okay. I don't think it's but I do find it hilarious that he didn't even dress the uh the blunt <laughs> sitting there as well. Okay, uh Joker two, according to the Hollywood reporter, is a musical. Huh. Are you uh, I don't know who would be lying there. I like I don't think the Hollywood reporter is trying to lie. Um would it be a joke that some source told the Hollywood reporter that would be kind of funny? Do you think this is a lie, just in general, that it is a musical? Yes, 100%. <laughs> Given that the audience mm -hmm. and the demographic for the Joker movies uh, would not want to watch it. 
unless it was like a spinoff or something just for fun, but doesn't actually tie into like the series or continue it, mm-hmm. then or, or it's like a parody thing. But if it's like actually going to be a musical, nobody's going to want to watch it. No, I mean, I mean, yeah, some people will probably watch it, but like Joker fans will not want to watch it. Yeah, I I don't know. You could convince me it's one of two things. You could convince me that this is just a source leaking this because, I mean, the Joker, just in general, is pure chaos, right? Right. And so nothing would be more pure chaos than leaking this out there and people (laughs) freaking out about it. And then you go to the movie expecting it to be musical, and it's not. Now, it would also, going back in line with the pure chaos, what would be more chaotic than this movie being a musical that like you would have think have no business being a musical right i actually have no idea this is one that i'm completely lost i actually or think maybe it's true. i mean i honestly it, it wouldn't surprise me if there was one scene where he's just singing and dancing for a few minutes <laughs> that wouldn't i i yeah that that wouldn't surprise me if it's like the whole one tuxedo scene, right? and cane and top <laughs> <Yeah>. hat <laughs> right because he's like walking around having a good time okay uh next story pizza hut uh, Pizza Hut says you can't out Pizza the Hut. Does that make them liars? <laughs> I think in general it probably does. There's a lot of great pizza places. Um, but in my opinion, Pizza Hut's not one of them. The no, great I, pizza place. I, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, as far as like the, you know, like there's like domestic beers, right? Which right. is your your generic beers. Uh, like for the domestic pizza places. I don't think that's what you would actually call them, but you would know what I was referring to there, right? It's your your Pizza Huts, your Papa John's, your Domino's, those sorts of places, right? Um, it's never been one of my favorites. My, my wife uh, probably has it a little higher than, than I do as far as those types of pizza places, but you can't say you can't out Pizza the Hut and then lose the rights to being the official pizza of the NFL to Little right. Caesars. Little Caesars right. is now the official pizza of the NFL with the, uh, what is it, the hot and ready pizza? Yeah. $5 hot and ready or something like that, which I think is like five ninety nine now. I could not tell you the last time I've had Little Caesars, but I would be lying if I, I've told you that I have not had it many times. Well, not many, but like a good amount of time. I mean, there was nothing better. I remember like in high school, we had a Little Caesars and like, what better way? You're hanging out with friends. Go get a freaking $5 pizza right. that you can feed three people with. Yeah. I, mean, I got no knock against right. that. Yeah, exactly. Like I used to eat Pizza Hut all the time. I don't as much. Anymore. I like the stuffed crust. There's also like the one like limited time item that they have every few years that they haven't had in a long time called the cheesy bites pizza. Literally the crust is like individual cheesy bites that you could like pull off of. I thought that was absolutely amazing, but they haven't had it in like six or seven years and I, I honestly miss it. But that is the only thing that would crawl me back to Pizza Hut now. He is Lane Gillespie. I'm Derek Johnson. We're gonna take a timeout, get to a uh, another Westwood one US Open tournament update. See who's atop the leaderboard, see how everybody is doing. Then after that, we are going to take a commercial timeout, and then we'll get back with some more KU basketball talk, some Bill Self audio to share for you, and some uh, specific clips. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You're listening on FM 1017, 1320 KLWN, klwn.com, and the KLWN app. Uh, by the way, though, real quick before we go to the break, Early on, uh, majority of the people, like 71%, are saying it's three plus. So Aha. <laughs> I guess I've, I've been in the dark all my life. I always thought it was two or more, but nonetheless, Westwood One Update now.